Are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst? Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on self worst. What's up, people? Welcome to another episode of Self Worst. I'm Brad Pearson, the host. Our guest this week is Bunny Themelis. We're going to talk to her in a minute. I'm going to fill you in on some stuff, you know, at the top of the show like I do. We missed the episode last week. Can't always get it together. What are you going to do? So, looks like Caitlin and I have the novel coronavirus. Finally got us. You know, we had a good run. You know, we dodged a lot of bullets. We did We did all the things. We did. We were very careful. We tried our best. It's still caught up with us because it's still around. It's just, what are you going to do? We're okay. Uh, So far, so good. Knock on wood. Just sort of cold and flu sort of symptoms. Really more like seasonal allergies. That's really what I thought it was at first. Because pollen's crazy. A little bit of a sore throat. A little bit of nasal congestion. Hopefully it stays that way. We'll see. It seems like hopefully we're going to make a speedy recovery and whatever. You know, we all knew this day was coming, folks. It's coming for everybody. (sighs) I just feel numb to the whole thing. COVID to all of it. We missed it last week. There There was a mass shooting. I'm talking about the one in Buffalo. Remember that one? So there's already that one, and I was already kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say anymore. What's left to say? And then another one happened. What's the over-under on another one happening before I even release this episode tomorrow? Don't know. We live in America, baby. I just don't, I don't know what to... I don't know what to do or say anymore, really. Uh, it's just, what do you, what are you gonna, what do you want? Do you want shit to change? I do. I would like shit to change. I would like to not see people, children, massacred in classrooms. I'd like that. But I gotta say, we're probably not gonna achieve that with voting and civility. Because that would have happened by now, if that worked. And, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of, like, even, like, the, the BLM uprisings that happened two years ago, around this time. Even that response was pretty disappointing. What did, what did actually, what materially, politically actually changed after that? Did the police get defunded anywhere? Did, uh, did, did any resources get reallocated into, I don't know, public works and keeping people out of poverty and education and better resources for underserved, over-policed? Communities. It doesn't seem like it. Seems like they wore some Kenta cloth and kneeled, made a big public gesture, 
and painted Black Lives Matter on some things, and uh, that was it. And we kind of forgot. And I think that's the problem. We let up. And we shouldn't have. Because you remember for a second where we, it kind of felt like we had them? Like, if we, it, it, when, like, police stations were burning down and shit, like, it sort of felt like people were like, oh, fuck. And by people, I mean, like, people in, like, the ruling class, the political class, were like, oh, shit, oh, they're really mad. I think nothing's going to happen until more of that happens, and we don't let up until shit actually happens that isn't just a gesture. That's all. Perhaps a general strike. Perhaps a teacher's strike. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I just... I don't know what to... I don't know what to fucking say. I don't know what to fucking say about this shit anymore. I don't even know, honestly, why I'm addressing it. I guess I do. Because... You know, this is not a politics podcast. But... It is about mental health, and uh, clearly mental health comes into the discussion in a couple of ways. People who want to shy away from the gun issue always talk about it as, as, if, as if it's a mental health issue. Or sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I don't think the buffalo shooter is deranged. I don't think he's uh, mentally ill. I think he's just fucking racist and quite cogent about his racism quite lucid in his hate. So it's not always a good, but like, what about everybody else who's taking in all of this trauma? Like, we are not meant to mentally process this, this kind of shit on a daily basis. Like, the, the amount of traumatizing shit that we just sift through, live through on a daily basis is not normal. We, just, we have to dissociate just to live in the world. And that's not great. And I think that, I don't know, the mental health question of this whole equation does need to be looked at. Sure. But so does, uh, I don't know. Look, I'm kind of agnostic about guns. I got to be honest. I, this seems like a weird time to say this. I don't know if I really believe in just straight up banning guns. I just don't think it's that simple. There's hundreds of millions of guns in America. It's too late. It's too woven into the DNA of this country. And it's more complex than just getting rid of them because it's a culture of violence. And I'm not talking about bar fights and riots and muggings and shit. That happens everywhere. I'm talking about there's this, I don't know. You can feel it. It's palpable. There's an American gun culture. It's Rambo. It's John Wayne. It's Charles Bronson. It's this lone wolf, badass guy with a gun that's looked at as like the pinnacle of masculinity and it's a problem. 
absolutely. There should be some checks and balances, some regulation. Not just anybody should be able to buy just any gun. That's fucking crazy. You shouldn't be able to just walk around with them at Target or whatever. That's fucking stupid. The obsession needs to chill a little bit, but I just don't think we're getting rid of all of them. And I think, honestly, any measures to uh, confiscate guns are going to come down on black and indigenous people. So I don't know what to do there. It's a, I'm, what, All I'm saying is it's a more complex problem than just ban guns. I, I just don't, I just don't think it's that easy. It's a nuanced problem. It's bigger than that. That's not to say that we shouldn't uh, work on gun laws. Does that make sense? And I know that I've been saying uh, voting and peaceful protests and civility isn't enough. Um, you know, I, I don't know how to square that circle. I'm not a total pacifist. What do you want me to say? I'm not a pacifist because the other side definitely isn't. I mean, look at our military budget. Look at our police budget. Look at the degree of violence that gets committed by racist, hateful people in this country. So I don't think we're going to hold hands and sing kumbaya in front of them and affect any change. It's like uh, Stokely Carmichael or uh, Kwame Turi. Is that how you pronounce his, 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 uh, his real name? Uh, he said, in order for nonviolence to work, your enemy has to have a conscience. So I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to hold those two. It's a dialectical issue. It's cognitive dissonance. And, uh, I'm still kind of processing where I'm at with all of that stuff. That's all. I just feel kind of like... <sighs> the people in power are not afraid enough. You know that fear that you feel every day of like, I might get shot, someone I love might get shot. I might be cast into poverty because of medical bills. I might get a de deadly virus. I might this and that. Like, we might die in a water riot. We might die of climate change. And there's just a constant sort of under current of anxiety that's in your head all the time as you're just trying to like bike to work and buy groceries and go to the dentist and shit. I don't think that the ruling class has those anxieties. I don't think they have that level of fear in them, and maybe they should. I'm going to read a tweet by Kyle Kinane. Uh, he said, Imagine if politicians got shot at as much as regular folks. Imagine if politicians got shot at as much as regular folks. And I'm not suggesting, and I don't think he's suggesting, I don't think anybody, I don't, I don't think we're suggesting that we shoot politicians. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying imagine. Kind of like John Lennon. 
that John Lennon song. He got shot at, by the way. <sighs> I don't want to see anybody hurt. That's the issue. But I think that there's some powerful people in the world who maybe should be afraid that they might be. They're not afraid of getting voted out. I'm sorry. They're not. They already have stacks of lobbyist money. Madison Cawthorn, who just got voted out, like, he's already got a bunch of cash and fame, and he's probably already got a six-figure job waiting for him somewhere in the private sector. Same way with all of these people. Susan Collins and Kristen Cinema and all these fucking people. If you vote them out, they're just going to get a job in the private sector and be fine. So that's not enough to get them to do what we need them to do to protect our lives. Sorry. They have mansions and yachts and gated communities. They're, they live in a, a complete different, a completely different lifestyle than you can imagine materially. And, and so what are you going to, what are you going to threaten them with? I don't know. Mansions burn, yachts sink. Uh, I don't know. They should not, they should not be able to go out in public and have a moment's peace. They should not be able to go to their fancy restaurants and have a nice dinner. They should not be able to show their fucking faces in public without getting screamed at and maybe chased down the street. They shouldn't know peace. I'm sorry. There's no nice way of doing this. There's no civil way of settling this. I don't know how we're not all completely fucking Joker-fied at this point, because it seems like the supervillain solution is like the only way here. Anyway. All this to say, this is about mental health. Because the amount of people I have seen around me just utterly uh, either completely checked out dissociated numb not able to even like process these deaths and these acts of violence or they're just not even able to really function because they're still their heart is still too open to all of the pain and trauma of seeing all of this happen around them in their country. So I don't know. We all need to fucking sit down and talk about this. Don't we? Anyway, all that said, this is a more political episode, obviously than, uh, than usual. I know we, we do tend to kind of go into politics a lot on this show. And I've thought about that. Just about like 
Yeah, do I want to alienate people who maybe don't agree with me politically? And uh, you know, or do I want it to be more open and more just directly about mental health? But you know what? <clears throat> there are other podcasts about mental health that are less political, and uh, you're free to listen to them. I don't know. Paul Gilmartin has a really good one, Mental Illness Happy Hour. Um, John Moe has a really good one. It's called Depression Mode. It used to be called The Hilarious World of Depression, but I think it's Depression Mode now. That's good. I don't know. Go check those out. But here we, we kind of talk about a mix of that stuff. That's just how it is. You know the show. You know the program. Unless this is your first time listening. I don't know. In which case, if this is your first episode and you have sat through this entire 15, 16 minute rant that I've gone on, that rules. Thank you. That means a lot to me and my narcissism. My ego. <laughs> anyway, that's, I think, uh, that's definitely all I have to say. I'm, I'm actually pretty drained now. And I should save my voice because uh, my throat's kind of scratchy for some reason. Hmm. I'm feeling a little off. No. Well, probably fine. Guess I should go uh, hang out in a crowded bar and talk real close to people. I'm going to go do that now. You all stay safe and uh, stay, I don't know, bro, if you're angry, stay angry. If you're checked out, I get it. If you feel powerless, I get it. Uh, I think do what you have to do to take some time to process all of this stuff because the world doesn't really seem like it gives us time to process any of it. This is one fucking thing happening after another. This is what I'm saying. Can't catch a breath. <sighs> all right. Well, let's just, let's, yeah, I'm all mad now. <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the interview uh, with Bunny Themelis. So yeah, yeah, yeah. at any point during this interview, I might get a call from City MD because I just went and took a test there, a rapid mm -hmm. and a PCR. And they might be I like, gotcha. you have COVID, bro. And like, yeah. so I'm going to have to deal with all of that shit. I don't know. Like, whatever. Like, this is no, I gotcha. the annoying fucking world we're living in. I don't It's yeah. never going to stop. So, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's like I'm getting allergies right now. And but I just keep being like uh, taking my temperature and then being like, well, should I? to make sure that it's it is like yeah i mean i i've we've been just sort of like habitually testing mm -hmm. um yeah. lately uh you know just because for the same reason like I, I have a bit of a cough right now but i've had a cough because i have allergies and i have like a bit of like a post nasal thing because of yeah. allergies because pollen's fucking out of control right now it really so, is yeah <laughs> so we're yeah i don't know it, she just like on a whim like swabbed her throat as well as her nose and like 
that came back positive, but apparently that can also like has something to do with the pH can give a false positive because that's what it's testing for. It can throw the test off, so you don't really know for sure. <laughs> but then the doctor who was swabbing me was like, no, that could be valid. So I don't know. Fucking shitstorm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Who knows, yeah. we're, who knows when we're going to get another booster? Who knows when we're going to get anything? Probably never. So that's all over. Yeah. They packed up that tent. They're yeah. sending that money to Ukraine right now. It's all. Or the police. Yeah, yeah. Or the police. Yeah. It's just, we're, we're, <laughs> we're done. We're done dealing mm -hmm. with this as a society. So mm -hmm. I guess we're just uh, on our own. I don't know. How have, how have you been dealing with, with all of the just sort of nebulous uh, nature of uh, quote unquote post COVID era like um, just when it's when it's come down to just personal responsibility and like do you mask indoors if literally nobody else does and like are you gonna be one of those fucking nerds and like it, like what do you what do you do it's technically it's the right thing to do but like who, who fucking knows well it's it's like i just i don't know i've never i didn't think i could be more disappointed in 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 my adulthood just that oh I, as a as a child, I assumed like super smart people, like at some echelon, were running things and doing <laughs> smart things, and I just feel like, oh no, right? <laughs> Not you necessarily. Had, you at some point had some sort of faith in the system that there was a meritocracy. Yeah, I mean, or at least there were people I thought in authority like, were in authority for a reason. Yeah, I just I I, I always felt I was a little bit cynical but I, I felt like there was a baseline and then um just uh you know uh I I've been trained to think that we would uh rise to the occasion you know like like the plot of a movie mm -hmm. <laughs> to really have um it's uh you know like I just feel um like like so much is just pure luck <laughs> yeah. like like you do your best but also you hope you're lucky and uh i was hoping that there were very like good rules about <laughs> how to be um especially when it came to like a crisis yeah uh so I don't know. Um, my my sister works for City Hall back in Baltimore, and she said basically what it felt like to be, you know, working in local government like during this time is she realized that um, the only people who got things done were just people who decided to do something mm -hmm. like there was a lot of like meetings and discussions about what to do and how to do it. But really what happened was the things pe in individuals were like, we're going to do this or <laughs> whatever. Um, basically, like uh, the decisions themselves were what happened instead of like there being a real sense of we've got all the experts who made the decision about the best thing to do. <laughs> it was yeah. really like, you know. <laughs> 
I was just to sort of uh, research you and get kind of a feel for like how how to talk on a podcast with you and everything. I started listening to your show, um, and we'll we'll get to your podcast uh, in a second. But um, I listened to the most recent episodes, but then I decided to go back to the very beginning, which it starts at the beginning of March, 2020, where you like keep mentioning yeah. like, Oh, there's this COVID coronavirus thing. Do you think it's going to be bad? Nah, it'll probably be fine. And just like, and talking more about like super Tuesday and being like, okay, yeah, we're all oh, amped yeah. and Bernie's going to fucking crush super Tuesday. And we're all like, every, like there was this sense of like optimism and people were canvassing and people were phone banking. And, uh, it just, I I think about myself during that time and I feel so far away from that person now, you know, like I've just, I've become so, I don't know, blackpilled, jokerfied in the I, last two years that I just I, don't, I don't feel any of that sense of like, oh, maybe if we vote or maybe if we organize, like, nah, probably not, bro. Like they got that on lock. Yeah, I'm, it's. It's like taking it feels like it takes a lot of effort for me not to come to very dark and dangerous conclusions these days. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's like the some some things the best I can do is feel helpless about it. You know, because the worst is like you know, I'm thinking like you know, what what massive property destruction would be the most useful to happen to like, right. just really like, um, I don't know, just like no faith in sort of uh, the reasonable way to do things. And just, just like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I had a thing years ago where I got, piled on harassed online um i had made a joke this is like a long time ago um but it was sort of it started me being really annoying about nazis uh like where i made a joke uh george zimmerman was on trial mm -hmm. and i tweeted like it, you know, if he gets acquitted, um, you know, are we doing satellite riots? Because, like, I'm going to want to break something, but I don't want to have to travel. Right. Like, that, whatever. So uh, this is, you know, just for context, in case people forget, this is, like, before we had the movements and the framework that people are working with now. Um, people were just bringing up the idea of riots maybe happening. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of, of the near trial. the dawn of the, the BLM sort of the movement. Beginning. Yeah. This is sort of the beginning of this, this co coalescing, I think. So I tweet this. I don't really think about it. Uh, this is, again, like, what is that, 2013, 24? I don't know. Like, uh, where, um, you know, I, I didn't have a ton of people following me on Twitter. It wasn't whatever so i get up the next day and i have like a ton of <laughs> replies and messages and whatever and i'm like oh okay and they're they are all about this tweet and they're all mostly accusing me of saying i'm going to start a riot mm -hmm. and people saying like um <laughs> you know 
yeah, well, if you do like, like you're <laughs> basically you're going to get beat up and whatever. But a lot, a lot, a lot of people writing me like, aren't you white? Right. For which, the listener, you know, Bunny, Bunny is white, yes. Yeah, it, which which it was just, I do I do joke about it in my stand-up where, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot we're supposed to be on the wrong side of history. <laughs> like, sorry, guys, right. like, you know. But it was like a lot of this, and then I got, a, so it was just a lot. Somebody reached out to me and informed me that I had been put on a watch list that had been posted to the Drudge Report and Infowars, that was me and a bunch of other Twitter users, I guess, who had maybe used the word riot or something like that, were put on this list as people who were looking to incite a violent race riot mm-hmm. and um, pushed out to the readers of Drudge Report and Infowars. And uh, I think uh, particularly because my name's Bunny, and whatever I, I was getting, I, I felt like I was getting a nexus of attention, um, but it was a lot. And then I got a lot of very um, serious messages about um, things like white genocide, <laughs> and except, and I was like, I'm like looking at this, and I'm like, oh whoa, this is like. It's like eugenics and it's like old timey racism. Like right. it's like scientific racism. Right. Uh, for you know, I was like phrenology and shit. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like, there was something about it that was that struck me as we as weird and troubling. Where because of course I've come across racism before, but this was like. I was like, somebody's been saying these things to people, basically. And then I got, um, somebody sent me a video about white genocide. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, so if people don't know, white genocide is basically when white women don't have sex with white men and procreate and multiculturalism in general. Right. <laughs> No, we know. Yeah. We, we, we know so. the, the great replacement theory. This is all mainstream. That's what's insane. Like when you ask who's saying this to these people, it's like, well, it's on well, TV. And I mean, ba- it's, so it's, when ma- this, it's Tucker Carlson saying this shit. Yeah. When this happened and I, I was like, I pointed this out to a lot of my liberal friends and a lot of people were like, kind of dismissive of it. Oh, that's just a few crazy people that stood it on. I was like, I don't know, guys, something's, nope. you it's know, a, it's I, a large swath of the military, the police yeah. force, a large it, swath of the Supreme Court, large swath of the Senate, like just a big well, part of the political ruling class of this country uh, has like I, really fucking fucked up beliefs about race and traditionalism. Yeah. And well, and, that, and I mean, that's and gender and Christianity and all of that. It's all it's all bubbled up like and now it's obvious, but people were very like dismissive and, um, you know, it's very definitely the connection between like because I had definitely run across like men's rights activist dudes online before um, uh, there uh, my like a million years ago, my 
a friend of mine from college, we knew that guy, Roosh V, who was yeah. like a horrible, <laughs> just a fucking scumbag. But like he we had a blog like and he would comment on the blog sometimes because um, we we you know, it was a bunch of jokes about like a new feminism. But I my jokes were uh, basically about how it's OK to be a female chauvinist was like the premise of mm-hmm. mine. But it was, you know, um, like, uh, yeah, I just I was trying to be funny and whatever, but it would draw out these these types. And um, so I come across some of some of this stuff before um definitely connected with ideas of like masculinity and like western civilization yeah. and, um, those, are, those are some red flag words western. yeah anything to do with like western civ you're like mm, yeah oh yeah i have a I don't know. you know yeah yeah it's i'm very yeah it's very red flaggy i um you know i uh I minored in classics um, in college, and I am ethnically Greek. So I actually have a real stop it. I have a real issue with um, the whole like the birth of Western civilization thing because I'm yeah. always very keen to be like this is an idea invented during the Romantic era. <laughs> like, right. like uh, I'm very keen on. Um, the sort of imagined ancient world that we work with when we think of the ancient world. And this comes into play with a lot of that weird racism stuff, because often it's a very juvenile, like understanding of uh, the past. And um, often, like a lot of the messages I got, aren't you white, blah, blah, blah. And then I would get some really weird sort of Oh well, you're you're Greek, but you're like, uh, but Greeks from modern Greeks are like not real Greeks. They're some sort of tainted thing, which is like a Nazi, <laughs> like a total Nazi like idea, uh, because right. the Aryans need to claim the ancient, you know, world or whatever. Um, and so I would get these weird things about like me being white, like a race trader, or like me actually on a technicality, not really being right. You're not. You're not truly white. Aryan or whatever. Yeah. So I would get. Well, these guess th- what, motherfuckers? I am blue yeah. eyes, blonde hair, whole package. So yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I'm like Northern European. So yeah, it's what's up? it's uh it's very um it's just very fascinating to me if it wasn't perverse and scary yeah. uh, at the same time. Um, right. I'm, you know, like the same way I get into like a cult, I'm like, huh, what are these cult people into? You know, there's a little bit of a weird, like just interest in um, what is essentially like the world's worst fandom, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like white supremacy is just, you know, uh, is just like, making up their little stories and dressing up in their little outfits. Right. Um, Yeah, it could all be sort of like a benign, you know, Civil War reenactment thing if you didn't get the sense that the people dressing up like Confederate soldiers really got a little too psyched about it, you know? And that, 
Yeah, that's my whole issue with the comedians who are like, oh, I talk to everybody everywhere. I'll have a Nazi on or whatever. I'm like, because it's okay to have a hard line about <laughs> about Nazi shit or about the uh, for me, I have a hard line about any idea that um, any uh, group is inherently superior in any way. I'm like, this is where we get into trouble. If we just if we allow ourselves to believe it just a little bit, it opens the door for all kinds of uh, rationalizing of hierarchies that you know, um, do, do they help us do anything good? Uh, you know, like I have a bunch of friends who, uh, what's his face? Charles Murray, the guy who wrote The Bell Curve, mm -hmm. right? Which is essentially the idea that some races, IQs are naturally higher. Um, there were a number of people I know who were like, oh, well, you have to admit, like, there's some something to it. And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. First of all, why are we using IQ? Like, <laughs> um, it's not an actual standard of really anything. Right. It's not really I, a metric that's based on anything. Yeah. And I say really this as someone it. who had an IQ test as a child because I, uh, I don't know, I had some weird learning yeah, disability I did too. testing yeah. so, <laughs> so. i tested high too it was like 140 something like that and yeah I was like, okay well i'm I, I feel pretty dumb though i was uh yeah um your microphone is popping a little bit could you okay. maybe hold it like a little further away or okay yeah sorry i've got this head i do have another mm. no yeah yeah, I think if it's just like a little further from your mouth, like a little more like down under your chin. A little down. Yeah, I think that's fine. Probably here. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What were we talking about? I got derailed. ADD. We both got ADD. Yeah. Um, so uh, tell t tell me a little bit about that. You you're you're on the autism spectrum. Uh, you recently diagnosed about. Yeah, uh, I mean it's uh it's um well I was diagnosed ADHD when I was younger, but I didn't really. How young? Um oh I was in college, so not young. Okay. young. Like it wasn't something my. It's not, I had epilepsy as a kid, mm. and um as far as that's as far as they were willing to go on sort of cognitive neurological <laughs> issues there wasn't really a concept of add being real um right uh with my parents yet even though now subsequently um my dad is as uh since gotten diagnosed himself <laughs> well 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 <laughs> So, um, but it is something uh, I um, have have always had. Uh, uh, I'm a very like, you know, the type. I got a lot of special interests. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I get really deep down a rabbit hole. Right. Um, the occult, yeah. conspiracy yes. theories. Yeah. Like, uh, yes. Radical um, groups and uh, mm -hmm. extremists. Yeah, and then also I was very I was a big like comic book uh kid like I was super into collecting comic books I would go to flea markets and look through back issues that people were just selling and um I 
and this is there's a sort of uh, kind of a spectrumy thing is uh, as much as I like sought out like coveted back issues, I also always wanted to find um, there's this in DC Comics they used to. Ha- published this like encyclopedia of characters (laughs) it was like who's who in dc comics Mm -hmm. i was like maybe went through the 80s so it wasn't being published when i was a kid or like but i would find these back issues because nobody wanted these but i did (laughs) so that's often um like uh, i love i love catalogs of things I love to be like, let me look at all the different villains and all of their different costumes. Um, And yes, which I really was a little too old to hit the pay dirt with like cosplay and stuff. If I was if I was like a little bit younger, I would have definitely been (laughs) one of these people. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, just a lot of elaborate Halloween costumes. Um, that's what you put your energy into. Yeah. But if I, I mean, now these kids, they're making the money and dressing up. Amazing. Beautiful. I love it. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely would have been, uh, in my, in my wheelhouse. Um, uh, just missed it. That's usually a pretty good giveaway is like a, a interest in comics, comic books, yep. anything like that as a youth is like that usually, I don't know. I mean, comics have a pretty broad appeal, but like people well, who now like really so get into them. Yeah. People yeah, who really get into them, especially of our generations is like, oh yeah, it's mostly, most everybody who I check in with who is like, who, you know, we were trading like uh, Spider-Man cards and playing Star Wars and shit. Like they're, they're all on the spectrum, all of them. So like, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I, um, don't think I'm on the spectrum. Um, but I think ADHD and autism spectrum, uh, there's a big overlap. Mm-hmm. There's a big Venn diagram. I feel like I have, there's a lot of alliances with mm-hmm. ADHD kids and, and, um, autism spectrum kids. Um, a lot of my closest friends, I think, are are pretty spectrumy, and uh, I get along with that, or they tend to get along with me. We get along with each other better than than a lot of my other friends. Just like can't really like jive with them. Like I've had like people, like in particular, like a couple of friends of mine have like told me like, "Oh yeah, you're so nice to this person. You're so like patient, and you're you're." I I just like can't like they just they talk my ear off about like this or that thing and I they keep saying the same thing and I just can't and I'm like I know but that's how they are that's how they're wired they can't yeah. help it like you know like I've just always felt like I had more of an understanding um mm-hmm. but didn't have the encyclopedic brain like I didn't have the I didn't have the uh catalogs of of like hard drive knowledge mm-hmm. in my head the, the way that they could um it was like I, I was just like a lot more like right brain creative yeah you know, like just like bullshit so yeah yeah it's i definitely um i definitely have always been i've always been really patient myself and i did work with um children on the spectrum who children who need a bit more accommodation than like where i'm at and it was before i was really diagnosed and it kind of made me realize that um, uh, 
I had a, a little more sensory issues than I was sort of being entirely aware of. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, now there are certain things that are sort of, you know, everyone's got a weighted blanket now and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Fidget but, spinners became like a yeah. really annoying fad for a minute. Yeah. Like, so uh, but they had an actual application for people and then they just showed up at every fucking bodega in the city yeah. and they got annoying. They got comp- confiscated yeah. from, you know, schools and stuff like, you know. So it's uh, so it's interesting to approach it where um, sometimes I would um I just learned more about um, how, I guess, how it manifests, especially in women. Um, And then once I uh, connected with some other women um, who got diagnosed as adults, it was just like there were all these things that I was like, I didn't know that other people um, either weren't doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, that, you know, that other people w- who also, uh, were having a similar experience to me. So, uh, I, uh, there, it's sort of, uh, I've discovered that it's kind of typical, um, to study theater. Right. <laughs> and I, before, before I, was thinking about this and conceiving it this way. I always talked about how theater taught me. Um, oh yeah, you know when you think about characters, if you were going to play like a villain, you can you don't just go oh like I'm a bad guy. You like find the motivations and you like try to understand what where that person is coming from. Yeah. And if I can do that for a fake person, I can do that for real people too. Sometimes. <laughs> Like, just like, wow, here's like a tip about how to be essentially like compassionate. <laughs> right. It's just empathy. That's really all um, yeah. method acting is, is empathy. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I found that this is, is sort of a, a uh, typical thing or, or that I would use little theater things, but I would use it in my real life. Um, <laughs> just being like, mm, clever. Mm-hmm. I'm just being, I'm just, you know cross-pollinating my skills <laughs> did you have trouble picking up on social cues and I, stuff like that so um i would say yes in retrospect and um i wasn't uh i i was always a talkative kid and um really keen to get in there and tell people stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't like I wasn't what was perceived as social, but I did not understand um, like how to, I, I was always uh, weirdly voyeuristic about how like my peers were behaving. And when I was, uh, I was born in Canada and we moved to the States when I was about five. So when I went to sort of going to school, um, I still had a pretty uh, distinctive Canadian accent. I was going to school in Baltimore City and um, right away kids were like, why do you talk like that? 
And I was like, what? Right. <laughs> what do I talk like? <clears throat> so my um, response was, uh, okay, noted. I talk different. I'm going to listen to how everyone else talks and I'm going to like make mental notes. Right. Which and then Baltimore I'm is also it. known for having a real yeah. weird regional accent too. Yeah. So. yeah. So it's like, so then I'm like actively trying to pick up this, these Baltimore accents. Cause there's more than one really. And I'm just sort of like trying it on and, and whatever. And um, so now I have a real, uh, a real a real melange of accents because <laughs> of course i also did theater so i learned my non-regional diction and mm -hmm. you know all of that kind of stuff um so yeah my i just was like i'm gonna figure out how to be normal or how to whatever and every time it, it just felt like uh as a kid it was just like me attempting to like be cool or normal but like not really understanding those social cues mm -hmm. like i i felt like other people had um you know i would read like teen magazines when i got old enough because i thought people were getting this information in like 17 magazine <laughs> i was like yeah this is <laughs> it was never in there they never had any real real good info um so yeah i definitely was and and certainly people describe me as being um you know somebody that was uh marching to their own beat and right. whatever um but you know the way i remember it was <laughs> all right i'm gonna figure this out right <laughs> so have you found it. that i've i've just anecdotally seen that this is sort of the case with uh you know people of your experience people of your generally sort of wired like you um did you have a lot of anxieties about like being quote unquote like found out or like imposter syndrome like found out to be like a fraud like or like do am i a am i a sociopath and i don't really know it or am i'm like one step ahead of myself and i don't like i'm i'm trying to act human because i'm actually like very inhuman and evil or well, some shit yeah so def I, you know i have uh, become familiar with the concept of masking is mm -hmm. um, often ha the term for somebody on the spectrum um, behaving in a way that is, you know, acceptable to others, accommodating, um, that sort of hides your little stims and et cetera. Right. Um, I, I don't think I realized um, the degree I was doing that reflexively because I, it, I didn't like it when sometimes people would be like, you're weird and you're making me feel weird. <laughs> so I'd be like, Oh man, <laughs> let me, let me figure out how to, you know, it was always this thing where I, I didn't think I was being weird, but I was like, I guess this comes off weird to some people and right. I didn't want that to happen. So I will not get too excited about that. Can you come or... up with any snapshots of that? Uh, like when that like happened, like when and where that happened? Um, I, it's mostly, uh, mostly around 
me getting overly enthusiastic mm. um, about something I something I'm excited to do or talk about um, or uh, with performing, like having um, a lot of energy, like coming off of a performance. Right. Sometimes my energy can be very intense for um, especially people who are, you know, not to be, you know, who are kind of like cool police people is the way I put it, where mm -hmm. they're like, don't uh, like, man, like. Right. You're, I, you you're, being, you're being too earnest. You're being too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're being cringe. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like, you know, there there are things I find cringe. They're mostly um, being mean or rude <laughs> for right. a bad reason. It's <laughs> something I find cringe. But yeah, I generally am with myself. I'm OK with how enthusiastic I am or how excited I'm getting. But I do feel like I have this tertiary awareness of myself where I'm like, all right, like I am watching myself because other people are here and I, I accommodate. Right. And I just didn't, until I learned about like how that can burn you out and then um, I was like, oh, I relate to that. Sometimes I just feel like I'm very tired emotionally. <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's often how people describe it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, especially in comedy, there's a lot of stand-up comedy specifically. There's a lot of like, you know, just a lot of low-grade bitchiness. Sure. Um, and to me, it's just something I you know, it's around. And like, if I'm going to be bitchy, I know I'm going to be bitchy and it's for fun. And, <laughs> but I will, I will live in the full awareness of I'm being a little bitchy right now. And, you know, if I were to talk a little shit or et cetera, but there's a general, um, checking of each other that I just know exists and I dislike it's there, but I, feel like I have to navigate around it. Right. Um, especially when it comes to not the creative performing aspect of it, but, you know, networking and stuff like that. I imagine it feels good to, you know, kind of drop the mask uh, and really just like let yourself be yourself and have your own uh, impulses and reactions to stuff mm -hmm. um, around people who you feel, uh, you know, safe doing so. Uh, you know, in front of and like, I, I just, it's got to be emotionally draining to just sort of keep that artifice up. And I always feel like I know when I'm talking to somebody who is doing that, you know, mm -hmm. like, I feel like, uh, I don't know, not to, this sounds like very, I don't know, self aggrandizing or something. But like, I feel like, I'm sort of hypersensitive towards social cues as an ADHD person. Like it goes, it goes the other way from like mm -hmm. just missing it and not understand. Like I'm hyper aware of like, Oh, their energy changed. And like, I'm going to internalize that and like think that they like hate me or something. Like I, if anything, like I'm imagining social cues that aren't there, mm -hmm. you know, that they totally didn't mean anything by, or like, it's totally fine. Or they're not actually mad at me or like, you know, whatever. 
Um, like I'm, I'm hyper aware. Um, but I feel like I, because of that, I always, I can pick up on it pretty easily when somebody, uh, isn't, is just sort of being a character in front of me is just sort of like on. And, you know, I do talk to my fair share of comedians and that does happen a lot where I'm talking to somebody. I'm like, oh, you're being a character for me right now i'm talking (laughs) to you know you in character as like i might as well be talking to like peewee herman or something Mm -hmm. i'm not talking to paul rubens you know um and it's it's like when like data from star trek puts on a different voice and it's it's just kind of weird and annoying you're kind of like (laughs) i like it better when you don't use consonant or when you don't use contractions and stuff like in your your little Mm -hmm. robot man like that's that's you're much more likable that way so you can just do that yeah it's gotta be hard to do yeah yeah well and also i just uh you know i'm i'm really attracted to just my fellow weirdos in in comedy especially um so you know because there are a few people they're funny but they're not weird (laughs) yeah I've, i've run into those people too and like i've even I'm not naming names. Had a few of them on my show where I'm just like, oh, you're a pretty normal, well-adjusted yeah. person. And like, yeah. you, you're, you, you know, you, you love like reality TV and Beyonce and America. And Look, you're just I love like, Beyonce. Like, I want to just. We I'm just using Beyonce right as an example. I don't want to. I've like, seen her six times. <laughs> so, yeah. There are people who I'll come across in comedy who they are, they're. I'm not even like, oh, they're and they're not even funny. They're they're funny uh, on stage, et cetera. But they are they all they are not they don't have that sort of stereotypical like, oh, I'm doing this out of I was the class clown or any, you know, yeah. they were kind of a, a well-liked, well-adjusted. They were always uh, confident. They were always well attractive. Fed. And you're like, what are you doing? Why well, and then here? they're almost, I find a lot of those comics almost look down on comedy. Like it's, they're like, I'm good at it and whatever. But they, 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 it's almost like, you know, somebody in their family is like, well, you should have been a lawyer uh, <laughs> or whatever. And so despite them being good at comedy, being attracted to comedy, there's like something that's a little, too businesslike about the approach and i i tend to not get along with those comedians um uh and they're also the ones who um never take sides and whatever right and i'm like okay sometimes it's okay to to do that (laughs) you don't always have to be neutral have you um, been able to kind of, uh, you know, parlay your sort of, uh, you know, your special brain into something that's, uh, I don't know, lucrative, uh, job-wise, useful to society? Because some people do and some people don't. And, like, you know. it really, it's it's really hard with creatives. And I imagine you're not making a ton of money in theater. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, uh, no. You probably I, have a day I, job, right? Yes. Yeah. I have a day job. Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest. Most of the time I feel like the, the way my brain works 
is this frustrating um, intersection of I I could be a real benefit to a lot of workplaces <laughs> because I'm very solution oriented and um, and I'm really great at collaborating. Like I really enjoy collaborating. I love collaborating creatively. So if there's like a, a task at hand, it's, it's exciting to me to sort of figure out how to accomplish it. But often the day jobs I'm having, I'm like pinned into some weird, um, you know, uh, prison of a system where I can't actually solve the problem or the task at hand. I have to like do the thing the way the person says. Right. So often I'm like navigating how frustrating that is for me and, ha and having to sort of detach. To did like, you, did so. you do well in school? Um, I, I, there were enough subjects that provoked my special interest that I did well enough at school, but I certainly would have done a lot better if I would have had uh, an awareness of, um, of, of even my ADHD really then. Uh, I was a, so I got a scholarship to private school for high school. And um, I, so I did well enough to take this little test and like from public school, get into private school. Um, it's sort of a program in Baltimore. <clears throat> There's a group of private schools and a certain, they like allow a certain amount of scholarship kids in sort of, I, I don't know. There's some like political aspects of it, whatever. Um, sort of like before there was charter schools and things like that, right. there was like this weird program. So I, uh, my sister and I get in and I, I don't really have any concept of what it's going to be like. Um, and I think I'm going to go to this school and all the girls are going to be like, we love learning. <laughs> like, right. Um, and it was not like that. Uh, I mean, certainly there were some very hardcore competitive academic, like children of, you know, like multi-master degree experts in literature, things of this nature. There were certainly those students, but it was very much country club sort of, and in Baltimore, you've got like these weird remnants of Southern gentry people mm. who like have like fox hunts and. Right. You know, the, which, the, the, the Ellie Kemper contingents of like, yeah, weird just totally. Southern, you, you got some like blood money in your family kind of. Creepiness. Yeah. So when I got to meet some of these students who are from families like this, I was sort of amazed that they were not like not harder workers and better at everything mm -hmm. and sometimes they were like real lazy shitheads <laughs> and they still got to like do stuff and yeah I just uh instilled in me this thing where I was like oh oh rich people they're, they're just 
things are quite easier for them a lot of the time, actually. Do people know this? <laughs> was this your kind of introduction into just class consciousness? Yeah, I mean, I thought you I were knew, sort of blind to it before. I thought I knew rich people because I knew like Greek kids whose parents had a restaurant, right? right. So they always had like cash. <laughs> so I was like, right. yeah, so they're, they're rich. Yeah. You know, and I mean, yeah, like they're doing uh, okay. They're maybe what petite bourgeois, like yes, yeah. But being, yeah, being a small like us, like I, I didn't have any sense of the scale, or I didn't really have a sense of the class. So I just had assumed it was like, oh, you have more money, blah blah blah. This whole um, preppy thing, yeah, uh, was introduced to me and I had a teacher who was a grad student at the time he was teaching at this school and he was actually writing his thesis on like preppy culture Hmm. uh, which in retrospect (laughs) is that I mean like look yeah I'm very critical of all these all the preppy kids or whatever but if I was a preppy kids parent would I want some teacher there weirdly like analyzing like for their I don't know but he basically told me that to be really preppy you have to have you have to be at least two generations in to um these private schools right you have to be you have the old money you have yeah you couldn't just have you couldn't just have had one parent who went to one of these schools. Right. You had to have minimum one full pair of grandparents. It, like it was this whole thing where he was like trying to analyze it, um, how it sort of is this system. And uh, there's this like out of print book called the preppy handbook that um, has a whole section about Baltimore prep. <laughs> That's it's a semi satirical book that was written like in the 80s. And um, but if you ever come across it, it's it's got some very funny, true things about that culture. Um, But yeah, I it was very much a culture shock. Uh, You know, they're also a lot. Like worse behaved, you know, Uh, like a lot more drinking, a lot more just yeah, whatever. And it, it's, um, it's one of the main client bases of cocaine in this country is, is oh yeah, is preppy kids. And like, come on. So it was, it was amazing. And then I was sort of um, they can afford like, it and they can get away with it. So yeah, and they have this whole. Of course, they're gonna do blow intra thing, and they all speak in passive aggressive coded language. <laughs> Yeah. And I was often like very direct and people would be like rude. You're being so rude. You're being inappropriate. And I would not be trying to be inappropriate. And I was often, it was often this like thing where I am <laughs> watching these kids, like, you know, like crash their cars and get a new car and like whatever. And I like say something inappropriate and I get like three detentions. Right. (laughs) You know, like there was one girl who got drunk at prom at our junior prom was throwing up drunk. There was a fire alarm went off and she's in the bathroom. Like you couldn't like, Oh my gosh, you got caught. Right. 
Mm-hmm. No. They were like, she got food poisoning. <laughs> Whereas, like, I could actually eat a bad uh, piece of food in front of these people and get sick, and they'd be like, this drunken whore. <laughs> like, that's what it felt like. I was not, I was not a misbehaving student, but I often was, like, seen that way. People were always like, oh, <laughs> always like oh bunny like you're you're so like mischievous you're so whatever and often I just um asked an inappropriate question or something of this nature so but yeah they uh it was I don't know I I still probably have too many feelings about that time in my life um because I certainly am, have to stop myself from, you know, I see some somebody from high school post something very, you know, very like woke or whatever. And I want to be like, hey, what about that time? Right. <laughs> what about that time when we were kids and you did that really shitty racist thing? <laughs> and I have to say, oh, I was probably not going to do anything good yeah there's like a bajillion like reductress articles uh like that (laughs) you know like reductress headlines uh yeah satirical headlines about like oh the girl who bullied you is like really into you know uh uh, wokeness and forgiveness now and all this shit like it's it, it is a it is definitely a path but do you um hold on to that a lot is that something that you uh i mean i guess you just sort of said that you do kind of think about that too much, but is that something that you really work on letting go of uh, past grudges and not internalizing shit from your past? I mean, it's, it's more so that it's more so part of me is like my, my discernment and judgments here are not inappropriate. And indeed, so-and-so was being racist when we were kids and pretends like they never were that is a true thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. but then I also have to say oh being confrontational about this will do what (laughs) you know yes I would love to have that like beautiful scenario where for some reason there there is this circumstance where I can save this thing (laughs) and you know Tell, tell somebody about themselves or, or something in a satisfying way that would be lovely uh but mostly it's like the gentle awareness that uh things are indeed not fair <laughs> right um which you know uh it would be a bit harder if i was still childishly trying to square that circle and make everything fair um <clears throat> So as yeah. much, I mean, again, just like with the last, uh, uh, I don't know, two to five, six years or so, like I, I it, a lot of it has been, there's been a lot of radical acceptance in my life and just been a lot of just letting go of any notion of control, a lot of just mm-hmm. letting go of, uh, any desire to like really control any anybody but myself just like yeah you're not that's not gonna that's not gonna work out bro like you you need to just like redirect your energy because you're just going in circles and it's not healthy for anyone in any aspect so you know it's 
it, it can be a little bit it can get you like in a little bit like cynical black pill territory but it can mm-hmm. also like help you just sort of let go and and not really it's okay your your dogs are interjecting right now yeah i'm like uh, this happens a lot the on the show room. this is a very this is a pro dog podcast um we have a dog we have a dog that often uh interrupts our show so that's okay it's always it's yeah. always welcome let's talk about your podcast a little bit um okay. i've been i've been listening to it uh pinko commie sluts is the yeah. is the title of it <laughs> um but uh you uh, started doing it kind of at the beginning of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. uh, one episode that really stuck out to me was one where you were talking about, um, I guess you were talking about it a little bit with me uh, just a second ago, but, uh, you know, being on the spectrum and in terms of uh, being on the spectrum and dating and uh, it's being a girl on the spectrum because there is a lot of uh, bias in that department. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to open that back up again. Um, and talk about that. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I, there's this thing, um, that, uh, you'll come across with, especially women, um, who went undiagnosed until they were older or adulthood, where they were often told in some context or another, that they were like a manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this was like certainly a thing that happened to me a lot when I was when I was younger. Um, but then I also, you know, I I consumed a ton of um, like comedy movies written by dudes mm-hmm. <laughs> that showed a certain kind of girl where I think maybe there was an aspect of me mimicking certain things. Uh, well, just in general, if I saw some something that I thought was cool, even the way somebody like m- made an expression, I would be like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do that. <laughs> right. So I do think there was maybe a degree of I was mimicking um, characters that also my peer group had had seen uh, as quirky attractive girl sure yeah i mean that was like a whole thing that was yeah. literally the yeah the manic pixie dream girl Usually. so um yeah so it's often like this thing but then i would also run into uh where 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 guys would be like why are you like this and i'd be like like what <laughs> right because there was a lot of um the there were guys who perceived me very conventionally where then they would get to know me a little better and I wouldn't behave in a certain way and it would start to bother them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, that was definitely when the, when your humanity deviated from the narrative the manic pixie dream girl who's like a cute girl with pink hair who's like bubbly and silly and extroverted and and weird but like but then she falls in love with you and you know fucks you and all this stuff yeah yeah. once it deviates from that in any way then it's then it's trouble or well or where they're like oh my gosh this girl is also into this thing that i have been taught girls aren't into or like whatever and they think i'm gonna be this um like auxiliary 
Whereas what really happens, I'll be like, I disagree strongly about your take on mm-hmm. this part of whatever. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> like, yeah, that's often the thing is um, the my strong feelings about things that are sometimes not important in the grand scheme, but I feel very strongly about them uh, that it a lot of things in that area especially when I was sort of a a teen and and young adult person trying to date where you're trying to do all the normie stuff of like (laughs) in 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 their defense and and in your defense like people aren't very well equipped aren't very well prepared for conflict um, Mm -hmm. especially with the opposite sex and I think that you know a lot of teen boys who are perhaps into Dragon Ball Z and then get really excited when a girl is talking about Dragon Ball Z, uh, it really will throw them off if, if she starts yelling at them all of a sudden because they don't, they don't like, they don't know how to fucking deal with a, a girl yelling at them. They can maybe deal with like another yeah. guy yelling at them, but like th- then there's like all these like weird rules of engagement and you're like, what the fuck yeah. do I do here? Well, I'm and then also I'm... Neuro- neurodiverse and like, I don't know how to yeah. fucking talk to people. So it just becomes this, you know, and it's, it's a lot of just uh, hurt people hurting people. You mm-hmm. know? Well, and then, it, and then it, it's sort of this thing where, um, I often like my sort of childish idea of feminism was like, I will act like a boy acts. (laughs) So yeah, I'll be very obnoxious about this opinion (laughs) because a guy would do that. And why can't I do (laughs) like, and, uh, you know, Carrie Bradshaw, we get it. Yeah. And then like getting to a certain point where I'm like, Oh, maybe, um, it is just obnoxious. (laughs) Right. Oh, uh, so there, there, yeah, there was like a learning curve there, but I, I do still feel, um, you know, I should have gotten more room to be annoying than I have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, in, this comes up in comedy a lot because the way, uh, I'm really, I'm really interested in why something's funny sometimes. And um, I never give another comic notes uh, unless we're, you know, we have like that kind of relationship where, where um, we're close enough that, that we do that kind of thing. Uh, but it's um, sometimes I will, be trying to articulate why something isn't working like they'll they'll be like oh this joke isn't working and I just I can't figure it out and I will feel like I see why it's not working (laughs) um but then uh you know in my like parsing of it it's it's um a little uh I don't know. Sometimes people feel judged, mm. you know, um, Have you often ever... it's often it's a, often it's a, a, a male identifying comedian who has a joke where I'm like, I think you're not feeling a dimension of, of this joke that has something to do with gender or whatever that like right. the reason it's not hitting is this, you know, somewhat liminal space. 
<laughs> that I can tell you it gave me that I hear the joke and I went, mm. <laughs> yeah, but I can't necessarily say, oh, um, you know, in this essay, I will <laughs> explain. Right. So, uh, I mean, I'm not a comedian or anything, but like, I am definitely a dude who like likes to make jokes and have definitely had to be checked a couple of times by uh, female friends or, you know, whoever just like, mm, I don't know if you should say that, like kind of stuff where like, I know that I know and I hope that they know that I don't mean things that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, and, and I try and not act like a victim if I do get like a reprimand about yeah. stuff like that because it's just like I don't want to come off as like one of these people who's like oh you can't say nothing anymore no 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 you know like I I understand that that's sort of part of the equation and part of speaking freely um you know the the free speech thing is uh, a system of checks and balances and other people are free to say something back to you and give you feedback uh that you might not like uh, or that might not make you feel good you know like that's sort of part of the thing baby like i don't know what to tell you Mm -hmm. like um but i do understand how it can feel kind of like an attack you know Mm -hmm. uh um and i do understand especially like in the internet era when it's people who they don't even know who are like piling on and, you know, people are telling them like a lot of that shit just gets, you know, uh, just gets way too amped up way too quick. And like shit pops off like too fast. People's feelings get hurt and people get defensive too quick. Um, I was going to ask if you've ever done any work in like DBT. Um, because I think that that's, I've been working a lot with DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, there's a lot, there's a big set of interpersonal skills, um, Mm -hmm. in just sort of the DBT, uh, workbook, whatever you want to call it, the, the DBT school, um, that, uh, a lot that's, that's been very effective for that, that I have found really helpful uh in not only receiving criticism or you know just a bad vibe or someone not happy with me but also advocating for myself and being Mm -hmm. more effective in like telling somebody if i have some sort of problem if there is some sort of boundary if there is some sort of like you know check that i need to administer um then there are there's sort of filters that you can run it through. So you don't just like pop off and say the thing that you think is going to be just like a really good, you know, just like just a real great body shot, just like a bam right to the ribs, you know, (laughs) that will feel good in the moment. And you know, you got like a really good, you know, it's going to feel good to, to let them have it. But it's also like, then they're just going to internalize that. And they're going to take that out on the next person who reminds them of you. And Mm -hmm. it's just going to, karmically just get worse and worse so well yeah i guess i with comedy specifically it's hard because sometimes in in my head i will feel like i am really just talking about how the bit could be better i'm not and but if the subject matter touches on anything that's like you know 
connect that connected to wokeness or whatever the the perception is oh i'm telling you um you know i'm telling you your 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 thing is invalid or etc and and that's really frustrating because um you know sometimes some people tell some real shitty inappropriate jokes and they should maybe know about that as well but i differentiate that from somebody who's just uh, who's just like a little who's just like hitting the like a dissonant note Mm -hmm. or whatever um but how to express some of the intangibles you know essentially you get to a point where you got to go i guess believe me yeah because I do, I try to do that with other people. If somebody tells me that there's a dimension of reality that I am ignorant to, I'm unaware of this aspect, um, that's information I want to know. Uh, I might decide, hey, I think the joke still works, so whatever. But I want to know, like, if... If I am accidentally saying something wild because I don't know some piece of information, right? Yeah. I want to know that. I don't know. So, like, I don't understand when um, other people seem resistant. <laughs> you know, and I've had, I've been, it's, I've been checked before. Uh, I used to do, uh, I used to do a bit of, actually a bit about comic books and in the bit I said something like stop raping comic books like just a his hyperbolic whatever and somebody was like (laughs) yeah you know it just kind of gave me I believe they described it as just kind of like a wah wah like (laughs) feeling of 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 the bit that they enjoyed other aspects of and I was like you know what I am just being sloppily hyperbolic there I'm not incisively making any kind of point or right. et cetera. I'm just being sort of, um, you the know, whole premise of the joke does not rely on yeah. you saying rape. Exactly. So, and there's definitely ways I can describe, um, you know, uh, a, a made up idea getting violated that don't, uh, you know, conjure up images of, like shit people don't want to think about right then um like i i was like fair you know <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they i mean you know they were not really aggressive or rude about telling me that as well but uh yeah i i generally try to be open to um to something but as my experience of comedy has been, I find that a lot of time I have thought a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about my material through, you know, a myriad of different lenses um, uh, before um, it's really settled in my set. Mm-hmm. Just because, uh, I do like to talk about I do like to talk about feminism or racism or or things that are kind of provocative for people. 
Um, I still make jokes. I don't, I'm very not a lecturer. Right. I'm, I'm <laughs> a still like, comic, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, I'm still making jokes. But I, I want to talk about what I want to talk about. Um, and it's, I know there's a, I can make minute word changes to my bits and they can be received very differently. You know, when I, I have, when I do jokes about, um, you know, I have some jokes about feminism. Uh, if I am lazy and not thinking, you know, economy of language, et cetera, and I say the word feminism too many times, the bit doesn't land the same way as if I don't use that word except where it's necessary for the punchline. Mm. Everything else is pretty much the same. The premise, the like the joke is the same, but the way the audience tends to receive it is different. And it's because I'm dealing with perceptions that have nothing to do with me. But if I say feminist, 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 then there's a segment of the audience that just that's all they heard. And they're they're like that feminist comic or they may be like that feminist comic. Right. But I want them to remember my name <laughs> more. Right. So I feel like I fine tune a lot of things because I want people to receive the joke that I'm actually telling. Right. And, um, you know, and not some other shit that I didn't even say. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it's not always easy to to talk to another comic though about about those things about your material. No. Um, yeah, it's it's got to be very difficult, and you know, the artists tend to be kind of touchy about their mm -hmm. material, or very sensitive mm -hmm. people, and you know, every, every, everybody's a lot more uh, sensitive, I think, than they even led on even uh edgelords oh yeah maybe especially edgelords. i think especially edgelords yeah. perhaps uh bunny Thamelis, thank you so much for being on the show this was really great um let's let's do plugs anything you want to plug uh yeah well um yeah well my podcast pink okami sluts uh obviously a joke a, about the dirtbag left or as i like to call us the post dirtbag left <laughs> yeah i feel like that wave kind of crested with, with it was sort of a, and all it was that. like a very funny i just seemed like a very funny idea for a name i'm glad we're bringing that, back the word pinko i think I that's a too, that's yeah. a fun like kind of cold war mccarthyism mm -hmm. era uh and that's that's term. my that's my sweet spot. I love I love the history of Hollywood. I'm very uh, frankly I went leftist via like theater history stuff before I ever read Marx or anything like that. I was reading good chunk of early 20th century theater is just like playwrights. workers. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. workers and playwrights all getting blacklisted and shit. Like, yes. Yeah. So um yeah uh so I'm definitely a fan. I'm uh um. And uh, I don't know. I like I like that it's a uh, it's a it's almost cutesy. There's something fun yeah, about. Yeah, it's cute. It's pink. It's, you know? little, like it's, it. it's it's very like non-threatening. I I I think that you know, uh, I mean we're almost out of time here, but uh, I don't know. Leftism in general really needs just kind of a 
a PR facelift, needs an mm-hmm. approachable oh, uh, yeah. kind of I, front. Yeah, and, there, and I there's think part that, of me that just wants to like, <clears throat> what if we don't tell them what it is? Yeah. But we just tell them like about, you know, material. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just it's Things. like people people well, Americans get scared of all that shit, especially older Americans mm-hmm. who like remember the Soviet Union and all of that stuff and like I'm, you know, certainly not a uh you know, Stalin apologist or anything like that. So like, I'm not one of those people. And I think that a lot of people, the more vocal outspoken people on the left tend to, you know, like kind of cosplay or LARP in that Mm -hmm. sort of arena. And they're like, very like, yeah, no, I'm like full blown, like communist. And I call everybody comrade and like all this shit. And I'm like, I don't know if that's like the way to go because like, a, it's just sort of outmoded. This is a whole new century. Um, and B, like, you're just, you're just going to lose people with that rhetoric. And it's, yeah. it, if we want to win people over again, this is, uh, uh, DBT, this is interpersonal effectiveness. This mm-hmm. is like the compliment sandwich, you know, like give mm-hmm. them one nice thing, say a nice thing, say the thing you need to say, and then say another nice thing. And then mm-hmm. like, maybe you'll get people on your side. That's, but fucking lefties are all shut-ins and cranks. Well, yeah, and really yeah, you know, it's grouchy like... Grouchy fucking people with no sense of humor and it's hard to yeah. get people on your side. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like, how important is this point? <laughs> yeah, bro, pick your battles. I don't know, yeah. just like, pick your battles, pick your hill to die on, like, have a sense of humor about things a little bit and just kind of yeah. like be a little more lighthearted about it. And I think people I, will like you more. That's all. Yeah. I have this fantasy of sort of doing a, like, you know, Ayn Rand wrote these terrible books and has a horrible philosophy, mm-hmm. but it, very popular. I was like, what if I do, uh, I'm like, oh, I just had this idea for a book, but it's just, <laughs> I'm just like, I just got inspired. Um, it's got nothing to do with any established political ideology. <laughs> These are just some um, sensible ideas uh, about the material conditions we and, you know, I I would love to um, sort of I mean, actually, that is what I do in real life when I have conversations with people is I don't use lingo or terminology, et cetera. I talk about what's happening to us. you know, often in the context of some sort of worker solidarity, uh, it, uh, not necessarily in a formal organizing um, uh, situation, but any day job I have, I am um, very, I am very keen to make sure my fellow workers know um, where the lines are for our own protection. And yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know they said x but actually they can't tell us to do that because of this because <laughs> we're contractors it's a lot of me explaining how 1099 work works <laughs> to other people um and uh but yeah just that where you know rarely do i sort of bring up a bunch of heady stuff when i am talking to another worker i'm talking about how we're being exploited, um, how we can, you know, what choices we can make within the, within the job for 
our best interests, which are shared. I don't know. Did you think about this? Uh, it's often how I approach it in real life. So, um, you know, whereas I feel like all of my, it's good to know theory and um, everything, but it's almost one of my special interests. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm always interested in how I can draw those like I, ideas into people's but you know basically just gotta everyone's gotta get organized labor wise is uh well if there's people with you know steel trap brains like yours that can really like cl- clamp onto the subject and you get to be in your bonnet and you're determined to solve the problem then you know maybe eventually we'll we'll get to it but i don't know man like i i i i don't know what to tell anybody anymore with like in terms of organizing and hope for the future or anything like that. And I'm just yeah, kind of I, like, I don't know, man, my, day at a time, like enjoy this summer, like have some good cookouts, go to the beach. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea. Like, I don't my know. My best be friend, my best friend had babies and, um, love or love whatever but we i just keep making jokes about how i'm gonna train them up for the future water wars yeah (laughs) like you know uh and um to her credit she she's like yeah we're gonna train them (laughs) she's basically she's got kids now so whatever is happening in the world uh you gotta imagine that somehow you're gonna be okay um but yeah it's it's weird i feel like you can't plan for anything so what a great note to end on oh yeah it was it was was really (laughs) wonderful to talk to you um plug your socials one more time and all that yeah i'm i'm bunny themelis uh on all all the twitter the instagrams everything um you can find me there i also am an illustrator I do a little digital illustration, mostly show posters and things of this nature. Um, and you can find that on my other Instagram, which is rabbit syphilis, which is sort of a pun on bunny themilis because ah, um, you Greek names, they're venereal. Right. So <laughs> is your, is your uh, first name really bunny, by the way? It is not. Uh, unfortunately, my first name is Jennifer. Um, but my mom, um, when she had me, the nurse was like, what is the name? And my mom hadn't decided yet. She did, my dad wanted to name me after his mom. And she was kind of like not wanting to do that. And he wasn't at the hospital. yet. <laughs> so she names a bunch of names she likes. And the nurse, the French Canadian nurse decides Jennifer's very pretty. <laughs> and, the nurse, yeah. So it's like so it's I have arbitrary. this. So at some point you just picked your own. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, and yes, listeners. It is connected to the fact I was deeply into Sailor Moon, uh, <laughs> the anime Sailor Moon. Yes, um, if you are familiar, her name is Usagi, which is bunny in Japanese, <laughs> and I had the translated manga comic books and i was like bunny that's just like a very cool nickname <laughs> that is a I don't cool know. nickname yeah just i don't know like, any I, other connotations I remembered, I remembered your name like the first time we were introduced because like <laughs> i don't know any other bunnies that's a name so there you go so yeah so yeah and then there were a couple times as i got older that i tried to that i like tried to move away from it and it just came with me 
Uh, I like it. Uh, there, it's just like I had a, you know, time in my right post college where I was like, people got to take me seriously. Right. And you then it was like, like, it's too bimbo-y or something. It's too, yeah. Like, and yeah. then it, it was like jokes on me. They're going to think that anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, it's not really right. something I could <laughs> necessarily get in front of um, unless they wanted to do a very, you know, uh, contrive a whole different personality entirely. So um, I like it. It's it's wonderfully dorky about why I'm named Bunny. So um, I I'm, uh, I enjoy it now. And all all the cool millennials were Sailor Moon fans <laughs> when they were little dorks. I found this to be very true. So, I wasn't, but I was. I was a Dragon Ball Z yeah. fan and all of that. Well, stuff. yeah, that, that's yeah. the boy analog, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it is very fun though, because I there are a lot. I found a lot of other, um, a lot, a lot of other comics who had a, <laughs> who had like a weird deep Sailor Moon uh, fascination as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're out there. <laughs> uh. Well, we should wrap up, but, uh, yes. you know, come back on the show sometime. I wanted to yeah, ask you absolutely. more about like Thank Catholicism and Greek Orthodox stuff oh, and yeah. all the like weird occult sh- stuff that you're obsessed with, but we can, we can cover that on another episode. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. I could definitely talk a lot about that. So. <laughs> all right. Talk to you next time. Yeah. Thanks, Ed. Okay. Thank you. Once again, to Bunny Themelis for being on the show. Check her out and her work. Her, she got artwork. She got a podcast. She does stand up. A real polymath. All over the place. Um, <clears throat> you can follow me at Bradical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at SelfWorst on Instagram. You can email the show, selfworst at gmail.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash selfworst. That would be cool. Uh, kick in as little as a dollar a month. Help me out. Your boy is, uh, is still pretty broke. Working on the job situation. I have exciting news about the job situation, actually. I'm not, I can't really go into it just yet because it's still kind of in the embryonic stages but just know that something is developing anyway money and stuff help me out uh give me a five star rating review on itunes and uh and spotify or wherever spread the word on social media uh i don't know tell tell the fbi about me because i'm threatening politicians I'm not threatening politicians. I'm not going to do shit. I'm really not. Mostly just because I'm lazy. I can't be bothered. I just have no initiative. Honestly. I've been walking dogs for seven years. You think I'm going to go like fucking start shit? I don't think so. Anyway, that's all. Uh, I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, uh, go out and fail. It's good for you.